Thank you. Uh, Caleb, I don't have my mic, so we'll have to use this one, okay? Gotcha. All right. Wasn't it fun? Mm-hmm. Uh, wasn't it fun? Yes. Okay. It's, uh, it's enjoyable to do that type of stuff in the church. May our baptismal never run dry. Do you agree with that? So uh, I think so far this year, how many did we have at our last one? I don't remember. But uh, I, I know we had one uh, about five, six months ago, and we had one now. So let's, let's keep it going. Let's keep it going. We'll just keep it going. That's what we're going to do. All right. So um, we're going to continue on in our study in the book of Acts. Okay. And uh, we're going to continue on. And then about the 1st of June, we're going to shift gears a little bit. And our Sunday school classes and the pastor's sermon are all going to be on the same scripture verse. So uh, it's like you come to Sunday school and you'll, you know, you'll, you'll study it and then you'll come in here and then the pastor will preach on it. Kind of give you that double whammy, you know, so, so we're all going to be on the same page. I, I did that at a number of my churches that I've pastored. It's just fun to do that. It really is. Because you'll sit there going, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Oh, yeah, yeah, so it's fun to do that. So I'm kind of looking forward to that in the summertime. All right, question. Would have Donald Trump, Hillary Clinton, Mitt Romney, John McCain, John Kerry, John Adams, Thomas Jefferson, Barsavis, and Pastor Duncan have in common? First service, somebody goes, they were politicians. I said, I was not a politician. <laughs> okay? Anybody know? I recognize the names. You recognize the names. Okay. <laughs> World famous, Pastor Dunton. Yeah, I like that idea. Okay. Somebody said something back here. Same birthday. Same birthday? Nah, be nice. They came in but... second. What? They came in second. They came in second. Bingo! It's right there. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Boom. Um, Donald Trump, Hillary Clinton, Mitt Romney, James McCain, John Kerry, John Adams, Thomas Jefferson, they all lost their bid to be on the presidential elections. At some time, they all lost. Even though they became, became uh, president, some of them, most of them, not all of them, but uh, they uh, did lose their bid for presidential elections. Uh, Barsavis, that we're going to talk about today, lost his bid to be the 12th disciple or apostle. And Pastor Dunton, uh, he's lost a lot of elections. Let's just put it that way. And I'll share a little bit more about that later. But here we have these individuals that have this, this in common. They lost elections. You know, they had uh, a choice to, uh, uh, to be a part of some organization or in the leadership. And the answer was no. So how should I respond to that? I mean, think about this. Here I am. Uh, you see me now. I've been in the ministry for 35, 36 years. And um, when I first started the ministry, uh, they would ask me to be part of certain commissions in the denomination, the denomination I was part of. And I actually had an election. And I'll be honest, it still stings. Stings. Not stinks. Stings. But I, I still had, I, I remember having an election where I got zero votes. Now, how many of you would say that would hurt? 
Especially when you're young. And you're starting out in the ministry. You're not quite sure what you're going to do and whatnot. And I got zero votes. Eventually, I got on what was called the ELT, Executive Leadership Team. The denomination I came from before him, before your, that was like, that is the head body in that denomination, the top of an authority. How did that come about? I went from this zero votes to ELT. Paid them a lot of money, but no, no, just kidding. <laughs> but how do you respond to that? How does it come about? So I'm going to talk about that today. I'm going to talk about the joy and the importance of coming in second or being second. Okay? So let's go, let's go to Acts chapter 1. We're going to start at verse 12 here. And we're going to continue on. If you remember last week, we talked about Jesus meeting with the disciples, telling them uh, to stay in Jerusalem. And, and you know, he had risen from the dead. And, he was ascend- and eventually he ascended into heaven. And the disciples were all kind of like this, looking up into heaven. And an angel said, this same Jesus that you see go to heaven is going to come back the same way. So that's a promise of the second coming of Jesus Christ. And they were all kind of going like this. But Jesus told them something before he went into heaven. He says, you're to go to Jerusalem. You're to wait for the Holy Spirit. By the way, we will be talking about the Holy Spirit. Okay? But I want you to wait for the Holy Spirit. So they went to Jerusalem. And let's start at verse 12 we can, okay? Let me get my little ring thing on here. There we go. Verse 12. Okay, he started out, Jesus started out, before he sent to heaven, says, on one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem. Before then, before he gave them this command, they were leaving Jerusalem. They were fishing, they were going back to their normal lifestyle, because, you know, Jesus was gone, or he was crucified, and now he's risen, but we don't know when he's going to come back. But we do know that for 40 days, he met with them various times. So he was with them various times. When his last meeting with him, he says, now don't leave Jerusalem. Don't go back to fishing. Don't leave Jerusalem. Don't you dare. But wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. What's that gift? The gift is the Holy Spirit. We're going to learn in the next few weeks how important the Holy Spirit is and how it empowers the church. A church without the power of the Holy Spirit, uh, the church without the Holy Spirit is a dead church. You've got to have the power of the Holy Spirit. So we're going to be talking about that in the next few weeks. Okay, now let's go to verse 12. So the disciples went back to Jerusalem. Then the disciples returned, or apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called Mount of Olives, a Sabbath walk from the city. So what we're going to look at today is we're going to look at how you are to make big decisions and how God can use you if you've never been elected, or how can God use you if, uh, I mean, basically, how can God use you? Okay, so we're going to look at that. We're going to find out that the disciples did uh, five important things. They were obedient, they were unified, they prayed, they were biblical, and they took self out of the equation and they put God in. And we're going to look at that as well. Okay, so how do we make those big, important decisions? Well, when the disciples were back in Jerusalem, they went up to the upper room, and while they were there, they did four things. They worshiped, they fellowshiped, they praised, and they prayed. Now comes a point where they're acting on faith and where they're going to replace Judas. Remember Judas? Judas is the one that betrayed Jesus. 
The Bible says that Judas then eventually went and committed suicide. Now, when exactly that happened, I'm not sure, but we know he's no longer in the picture. So here's Judas. He's dead, and they had 12. Now they have 11, and they want to replace it. So how are they going to replace it? Well, they got to have an election, or how are we going to find out? So we're going to learn that as well. So the disciples returned, and it brought us to the very first point that we need to talk about in how to make the important decisions. And number one is, be obedient. The disciples were obedient to Christ. Be obedient. Number one, be obedient. Be obedient to God. Remember last week I said we are in a society right now with many gods? About three point, uh, 380 million different gods are in our society. Because we have, everybody wants to be the god of their own life. They don't want to be told what to do. They want to live life the way they want. And they, don't want any, they just want to live and enjoy life the best way they can. But God says, follow me, follow, be obedient to me. And so that's number one in everything that we should do. We need to be obedient to the Bible and we need to be obedient to Christ. Now I'm going to talk to the leadership of the church here. Your number one decision or your number one uh, filter when we make decisions in this church must be Scripture. Must be scripture. Now, but what about, you know, what color of lighting? Okay, that really doesn't matter. Okay? But what about some other issues that are found in scripture? What's the purpose of the church? Our purpose of this church is to have T-ball, right? No. The purpose of the church is to go into all the world and preach the gospel and make disciples of all nations and baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. That is our main purpose. So when we do have T-ball... What are we doing out there? We are sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with these kids and also with their parents because their parents are standing around as well. So we're fulfilling one of those mandates that God gives us to go into all the world, in this particular case, coming to us. How about when we go to the fair? We're going to be going to the fair again this year, I think. Right, Abby? You don't know that yet, do you? Congratulations. No, we are, right? Yeah, okay. So we're going to go to the fair again. So let's just have a concert in the fair. What do we do? No. We're supposed to be sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with those people in the fair. That, that's biblical. So everything that we do needs to be biblical. So how you handle your boyfriend, girlfriend, how you handle your, your wife, how you handle your husband, how you handle uh, your household and your children, and we can go on, your, your, your debts, and whatever else, all needs to be focused on what the scriptures say, and we are to be obedient to them. So the disciples were obedient. They went to Jerusalem. Jesus said, go to Jerusalem, and they went to Jerusalem. So that's number one. Number two is, how do we make our decisions? We need to be unified. So let's go to verse 13. When they arrived, they were upstairs in the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon, the zealot, and Judas, son of James. Who's missing? Judas is missing. Why? He's dead. He killed himself. So they all came together. Now, this is what's being talked about right now. Eventually we're going to find out there's 120 people up in that upper room with them. What we get wrong, we forget about so many times, is when we think of the disciples of Jesus Christ, we only focus on 12. Do you know that there were people that followed Jesus from his baptism to his resurrection that I never mentioned? At one time it says Jesus sent out 72 disciples. 
In this case, we see there's 120 people that are up in the upper room. And so they came together, even though these were the leadership, they were unified. They did what Jesus told them to do. Now, one of the keys to um, successful leadership and successful uh, church is you're unified. You want to talk about how to destroy a church? Have a faction go visit the church. Start causing disunity in the church. And you'll destroy it quicker than anything else. Now, I'm going to tell you something here. Okay? Dave Stills, you still, yeah, he's board uh, uh, president of the board. And uh, do you know the board makes decisions sometimes I don't agree with? Do you know that? What should I do? Should I stomp my feet? Should I take people aside and try to get them on my side in this decision? No. Unity. Unified. I may not agree with it. Fine. We'll be due. However, and I'm going to give you a big however, if a decision the board makes is against Scripture, you're going to see the pastor put his foot down quicker than anything else. Because nothing supersedes Scripture. But if they want to make a carpeting this color, I don't care. Well, I do. It might look ugly. But you know what? That's their decision. You want this color paint? I don't care. It's your decision. It, it is important that we are unified in those areas. However, as I said before, if it goes against Scripture, mm-mm. You know, you'll, that, that is the key. Okay? So let's say we want to uh, uh, move the church and we, we want to become a, a restaurant instead of, instead of a Church of Jesus Christ. Uh, yeah, you probably have the, the pastor saying, no, nah, that's not a pretty, that's not a good idea. Okay? So we are called to be unified. You may not agree with some of the things the pastor does. You may not agree with some of the decisions that the board makes. But it's important that we are unified. You may even vote against it. It's still important that we're unified. If the decision is made, then I will get behind it and we will go forward with it because I know unity is very important. However, if it goes against Scripture, that's a different story. Okay? So they were unified in what they, in what they did. The third issue was they prayed. They prayed. Okay, let's go further. Then they joined together constantly in prayer along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brother. So we see there's more people there. Got that? They prayed. And it was not just a, God bless what we're doing, now we thank you for this food, amen. They, it says they were constantly in prayer. I'm going to go a little further. Eventually we're going to see where they were constantly in prayer. They were constantly in prayer. And so you're saying, but pastor, I don't have time to be constantly in prayer. You can always be in an attitude of prayer. You ever, you ever down, driving down the road and you're, you're praying? You know what I mean? I'm not talking about closing your eyes when you're driving. That's not a good thing. But what I am saying is you can be in an attitude of prayer when you're coming up, you look to the east sky uh, this morning and see the sun coming up and an attitude of prayer would be, oh Lord, what a beautiful day that you have made. I will rejoice in it. That's an attitude of prayer. Prayer can also be on the negative side where you're going down the road and you see something, you know, well, let's say the, um, say you hear about the uh, uh, Fort Recovery Fire. Oh Lord, be with those firemen. May they not be hurt. 
I mean, you see what I'm saying? That's an attitude of prayer, constantly in prayer. And they were in prayer uh, while they were there. I would love for this church to be stronger in prayer. Um, I'm just being open my heart to you. Um, do you know, uh, Polly and I were at the uh, Jim, Jim Cimbala conference, at the uh, Billy Graham conference, about two weeks ago. Okay, for you young people, I'm finding out all of you. Some of you young people go, who's Jim Cimbala? Who all knows who Jim Cimbala is? Yep, that's about right. Okay. Jim Cimbala in the 1990s and 2000s was really stressing prayer in church. He grew his church from like 15 people up to 3,000 people, and it was all based upon prayer. Oh, may we become people of prayer. May we become people of prayer. Okay. Then, it says, in those days, Peter stood up amongst the believers, a group numbering about 120. See where I got that 120 from? And said, brothers and sisters, the scripture. Got that? How else do we make a hard decision? We must be biblical. We must be biblical. I know I spent time on it already, but we've got to be biblical. Every decision that we make has to be filtered through scriptures. There might not be something in scriptures that uh, pertains to it, like the color of the carpeting, whoopee-doo. But, uh, but there are other things in scripture that are very pertinent that we have to do. So it must be biblical. So here's Peter. He stands up and he says, brothers and scriptures, scriptures said. Interesting. Interesting thing comes out about this. Do you know this is the first time Peter quoted scripture? Up until that time, who did it? Jesus did. And now he's quoting scripture. I can see for 40 days, here's Jesus meeting with Peter, reinstates him. He's, they're talking back and forth. And, Peter, and Jesus saying, you know, Peter, you know, scriptures say this. The Old Testament says, well, the Torah says this. The Torah says this. And, and, and now here's, here's uh, Peter. He stands up. He's in charge. Jesus put him in charge. And what does, Jesus, what does Peter do? Scriptures, scriptures, scriptures. Pow. He's following the example of the master. Scriptures. Scriptures say. So, they were unified, they were biblical. And it says, Scripture says, had to be fulfilled, but the Holy Spirit spoke long ago through David concerning Judas. We served as a guide for those who arrested Jesus. He was the one of our number and shared in our ministry. With the payment he received for his wickedness, Judas brought a field and he fell headlong and his body burst open and his intestines spilled out. With that payment he received for his wickedness, Judas bought a field, therefore he was headlong as well. Why is that up there again? Okay. Everyone in Jerusalem heard about this, so they called up, called that field in their language. That word, <laughs> that is the field of blood. Okay, anybody want to read that word? Thank you very much. Okay. Okay, so here is um, Peter standing up. He's quoting scripture now. He's being biblical in his decisions. We've got to be biblical. I know I'm spending a lot of it. We've got to be biblical. You need to be biblical even in your homes. You need to be biblical even in your relationships with each other. The, the God's guidelines is there found in Scripture. That, that's why and I look back at our teenagers in the back row there. 
I, that's why it's so important to follow what scriptures say, even about relationships. And you, now that you're in the dating, dating age, do you know between, let's say, 18 and probably 25, decisions will be made that will affect you the rest of your life. Do you know that? You will decide if you're going to go to college, if you're not going to college, what your career is going to be or what your not career is going to be. Where you're going to live, where you're not going to live. All those decisions are going to be made, but you're also going to be making decisions based upon your mate. Am I going to get married? Am I going to get married? Most of the time, not all the time, happens within that period of time. So if you make a bad decision, it's going to affect you the rest of your life. That's why you've got to be biblical. Be biblical. Be biblical in these decisions that you make. Okay. So... um, And so Peter continues on, and he's continued to quote scripture. And he uh, quotes Psalm uh, 69, verse 25. For said Peter, it is written in the book of Psalms, may his place be deserted, let there be no one to dwell in it. And may another take his place in leadership. Psalm 109, verse 8. Therefore it is necessary to choose one of the men who have been with us the whole time, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord Jesus was living amongst us. Beginning from John's baptism to the time when Jesus was taken up from us. For one of these must become the witness with must must become a witness with us of his resurrection. So this brings us to the next point. We have to take ourselves out of the out of the equation. Notice what Peter did. He says, we're going to find somebody amongst us. And here are the qualifications to take Judas's uh, position on the 12th. One, he must be with us from the baptism to the resurrection. Two, he must witness the resurrection. So here's the qualifications. Instead of having we, the, the attitude of we must fill this position... It becomes an attitude of who is qualified to fill this position. I have pastored churches where we've had positions not filled. And we purposely not fill them because if you put the wrong person in some of those positions, it, it, is, it is a train wreck. So you wait for God to, to, um, to bring somebody or mature somebody or give somebody a spiritual gift. For all my first UB or first UB in Finley, plug your ears right now. You know, I became the chairman of the board for three years of our board administration, and I know everybody on the board just had a heart attack. But the reason why I became the chairman of the board is because no one was qualified to do it. And I had to show them how to run a board meeting. They were running hours upon hours upon hours. And nothing was getting done. So it came a time when, when it was time to elect a new chairman. And the pastor takes over at that time. And I took over. And I noticed nobody, nobody uh, nominated anyone. Okay. So the next board meeting comes, and I took over again, because nobody was chairman. Do you realize it took three years before they recognized what was going on? 
And then finally they look at me and says, why are you chairman? Why didn't we elect him? I said, why didn't we? But in those three years, I was able to teach them how to run a board meeting. And then we had somebody qualified. Dave, don't worry, I'm not planning on taking over the board. But it's important that we get somebody qualified. We have to take ourselves out of the equation, and that's what we see here. It has to be somebody that was with Jesus from the baptism to the resurrection. So they nominated two men. Joseph, called Barsabbath, also known as Justice, and Matthias. So they found two men who were qualified to take over Judas' spot. They were with Jesus from the baptism to the resurrection. Peter's not involved in this. They fit the qualification. Then they did something very interesting. So they, what did they do? They prayed. They what did they do? Pray. They prayed. And so they prayed for God's decision to be made. And so they prayed, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which one of these two you have chosen. And take over this apostolic ministry, which Judas left to go where he belonged. So some people say Judas is in heaven. You look at the, the, the stain that the disciples had towards him. I don't think so. Okay. Then they cast lots. And the lot fell on Matthias. So he was added to the 11 apostles. Okay. So here you have two people, Barsabas, and you have Matthias. And they cast lots. Okay, what's a lot? Best way to describe lots is uh, drawing straws. You know, they would take a stone... And they would put a marking on the stone, and they either put their hand in there and drew it out, or they, uh, you know, they, somehow they, they cast it. We find casting lots is found in scriptures. If you look at the, the birth of Jesus, Zechariah, the, the, the priest, uh, he went into the temple because they cast a lot, and a lot fell on him. The, the ancient people used to do that because uh, they, wanted to, they wanted God to make the decision. And they wanted to make sure it was God and not them. Okay. So, um, the disciples took self out of the equation. They cast lots to discern, discern what, um, what uh, God's will is. We're down to two people. Barsabas, Matthias, and, wrong one, when you have too many of them up here. I don't have it. Okay. Anyway, I'll just say it again. And they cast lots, and a lot fell on Matthias. Okay. So, I always think, how, if you were Barsabas, how would you feel? Why wasn't I chosen? Is my heart not right? They don't like me. What did I do wrong? Why doesn't God trust me? See all those questions? You don't have to raise your hand, but I would venture to say almost every one of us has had those feelings. See, we don't need to cast lots today. We have the power of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to talk about that next week, the coming of the Holy Spirit. If you are a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit in you. 
If you're not a Christian, you don't have the Holy Spirit in you. That's simple. But we have the Holy Spirit. So what I tell you to do is pray and wait. Pray and wait. Pray and wait. Pray and wait. There comes a time you have to go, but I'm just saying you better be, have this a lot of prayer. Pray and wait. Pray and wait. Pray and wait. Not, don't just pray and go. And what I mean by that is have a short prayer so that we can uh, justify it spiritually that this is what God wants. Therefore, God, we made this decision and we prayed about it, so therefore we know this is what you want. Boom, and out and go. No, you better read a prayer. I hope when you when you made the decision in this church 30 years ago to tear down the old white building and to build that, it was bathed in prayer. I, I, I hope that when you decided to put on that educational wing, that was bathed in prayer. I also hope that when you decided to build this gymnasium called The Rock, it was bathed in prayer. Now, I know not everybody agreed with it, but this is where the unif unification comes in, unity comes in. I may not agree with it, but you know what? We're going to trust the leadership. Okay? Bathe it in prayer. Not a short prayer. God, this is what I want to do, and I want you to bless what I want to do. You just, you, but you bathe it in prayer and say, God, open up the door for me, and I want to go where you want me to go. All right. So, with that said, I want to talk about one, one side note here. So how do we make those hard decisions? If you are sincere, and I mean it, if you are sincere, I am convinced that God will open and close the paths taken in true faith. Now, it doesn't mean you're going to have a, an easy path. I mean, how many martyrs are there? And they were in God's will. But I do believe that God can very easily open and close the doors for you. Uh, here, here's an example. When... Uh, when I, uh, three years before we were called to come here to Mount Tabor, you all know I was in a different denomination. I was in the United Brethren Church. I actually applied for a United Brethren Church in Mercer County. We prayed about it. We really felt, we came down here. We were really drawn to, uh, to Mercer County. We, at least I was. I just, I, I loved it. I mean, this is it. This is, you know. I was so convinced that we were going to come here that uh, we actually started looking at houses. And we found this house on the lake. Three-story house. It's when the lake first got polluted and everybody went and buy stuff. And, oh, yeah, we had to clean up. You know what I mean. And, oh, this would be it. This would be perfect for it. And, 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 and so we, you know, we kept praying and praying and praying. Well, and then eventually I got the phone call. And uh, the answer was no. We chose somebody else. But when I found out who that person was, and I understood it because, just because I, I, I know some of the inside of that situation. So we left defeated. Okay, well, I guess we're staying in Finland. Three years later, I'm meeting with the superintendent of this denomination. We, I was in leadership, he was in leadership. We'd meet once a month and just have lunch together, talk about leadership and everything else. And he said, I got this church open in Mount Tabor, in, in, in Mercer County, in Salina. It's called Mount Tabor. Are you interested? Well, I didn't give an answer. We went back to prayer. I didn't talk about it. We went back to prayer. And then I said, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll throw my, uh, my resume in. Threw my resume in. And then the, uh, the uh, search committee, in all of their wisdom, waited about six, nine months. <laughs> and, and eventually they gave me a call. Guess what? I'm in Mercer County. But it wasn't on my time. It was on God's time. See what I mean? 
believe God will open up and close the doors in faith. Even in Acts chapter 16, the Apostle Paul was going up to an area, uh, Pamphylia and Galatia, and no, Phygyra, I'm sorry, I got that wrong. Phygyra in Galatia, he was going up there because he felt the Lord was telling him to go there. He got right up to the border and the Holy Spirit said, no, you're not to go there, you're to go to somewhere else. So here's Parsegas. God says, no, you're not going to be one of the 12, but I still got a job for you. Who knows what Barsabas did? Of course you don't. I didn't know it until I looked it up. Barsabas became the bishop of a town called Electropolopolis. You want me to spell it for you? E-L-E-U-T-H-E-R-O-P-O-L-I-S. And if anyone can say it, congratulations. He became, uh, he became the bishop of that. Now that city is about 35 miles southwest uh, of Jerusalem. He became the bishop, and in 68 AD, according to Josephus, he was martyred. He may not have become one of the twelve, but he became a bishop. And one of the highest honors is he was martyred. So how do we make those hard decisions? One, we've got to trust God. We've got to obey. We must be unified. We must be biblical. We must pray. We must take ourselves out of the equation. And we must trust God. We've got to do it. And if the lot does not fall upon you, do you notice Barsabas didn't ask for a recount? You notice he didn't stomp his feet? You notice he didn't uh, cry and weep and, I want to be one of the twelve! He didn't do that. He became the bishop of a town where he was martyred in. One of the hardest things to do is to be second. But boy, is it important. Leonard Bernstein, the late, a legendary conductor in the New York Philharmonic, gave an insightful answer in an informal interview where somebody went up to him and said, Mr. Bernstein, what's the most difficult instrument to play? He replied, second fiddle. I can get plenty of first violinists, but to find one who plays the second violin with as much enthusiasm, now that's a problem. And yet, if no one plays second, there is no harmony. To play second fiddle means to be subordinate role, to be a subservient to someone, or to take a supporting role rather than the most important of the starring roles in a situation. Let me finish my story, and then we're done. So I started out in the ministry, and I was nominated for various positions, and I even got elected to nothing. In fact, I got elected to, I even had a situation where I only had zero votes. Now that hurts, I'll be honest, it does. But I, and I cried, I'll be honest. It wasn't the fact that one of that position, it was the fact that no one likes me. 
So over the years, I decided if somebody asked me to do something, I was going to do it. You want to be used by God and used by other people, then serve. And become the second fiddle. So eventually, they asked me to be a cluster leader. Okay, I'll do it. They asked me to do this. Yeah, I'll do it. They asked me to do this. Yeah. And the key was is to the, do the best job I could. And my goal was to make my cluster, cluster leader is a group of about uh, six to ten pastors gets together, to make mine the envy of all of the clusters in the denomination. That was my goal. And they actually came up to me when I resigned. They said, you were one of the best clusters we've had. Eventually, we went further to where I was nominated to go on what's called the ELT, Executive Leadership Team, which is the highest uh, governing group in the denomination of the United Brethren Church. Guess what? I lost. By one vote. Okay. Well, guess what? They had to appoint someone, so guess who got appointed? So it went from this guy with no votes to this guy that was all the way up. And all I can say is because God put me there. The key is to do the best job ever being the second fiddle. People will take notice. And God takes notice as well. Let's pray. We talked about a lot of stuff today, Lord. And we just pray that... Uh, Lord, I'm praying for second fiddles here. Oh, to be used by you. May they be used. May they be uh, uh, bring harmony to the church. We thank you. Be with us all today, and may we honor and glorify you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.